Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. For sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. I'm Jay. All right, so we're going to get started with the biggest news to happen in hockey in uh, definitely since the last show, and the biggest news on the trade front in quite some time. I mean, you have to. Th- I think you have to go back to uh, the the infamous "the trade is one for one" day, where we got you know the hockey world basically blew up in the course of 20 minutes. In case you missed it, somehow. GM, Colorado GM Joe Sackick accidentally gave uh, Matthew Shane a, a sock, and he ended up freeing him accidentally from, uh, from, from the, the horrors of Colorado and the, 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 the bondages uh, of having to play there that he, that he, was, uh, that he was held down with. And so, That's funny, Pete, because we actually do have exclusive audio immediately following that meeting. <laughs> Duchesne, you've given Duchesne a, a sock. <laughs> Duchesne is a free elf. And then he evaporated. Maddie's a free elf. <laughs> Maddie is free. <laughs> so, 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 so anyway, so yeah, so everybody was was wondering what was going to happen with this because as the situation dragged on and on and on and on, the the feeling was that that Sackick might have been asking for too much along the way, and that nobody was going to be able to meet his demand because uh, you know along the way some uh, you know some GMs had definitely sent some offers and uh, Sackick was holding out, and so when news broke that there was actually a trade, many people were thinking, I cannot wait to see just how badly Joe Sackick got screwed in this trade, and. The answer is he didn't. He actually did well. So um, before I throw it to Jay for his uh, his first take on this trade, let's just talk about what happened. All right, so basically what happened is Matthew Shane ended up in Ottawa. Kyle Turris ended up in Nashville. And then Colorado got a, a package of picks and prospects from Ottawa and from Nashville. So they ended up getting... Uh, Andrew Hammond, the uh, the old Hamburglar, uh, Ottawa's first round pick next year, Ottawa's third round pick in the 2019 draft, and forward Shane Bowers, who is their first round pick in last year's draft. Nashville sent a second round pick in 2018. They sent a uh, they sent uh, Samuel Girard, who is a 19 year old defenseman. He was drafted in the second round, and many people feel that he, if he had stayed with Nashville, he was like the next wave of ridiculous Nashville defensemen. Um, and they also sent Vladislav Kamenev, who is a second round choice in 2014. All right, so 
First of all, Jay, let's uh, let's talk about Colorado. Let's talk about Joe Sackick, frequently maligned, probably for good reason. But in this case, like I said, it seems like he came out okay. What do you think? I, I well, yeah, I have to agree. I think in terms of the load that he got in return, you, you do kind of have to tap your stick to him. But you know, this deal was dead, right? It was dead like mm. a couple times. So people are like, yep. Just business as usual. How can they screw up even more? And then, and then they do the classic dumb number. They go and do this and somewhat redeem themselves. So, <laughs> I, I have to hand it to Bizarro Steve Eiserman for being able to swing this trade. Uh, in, in, in anything above mediocre uh, ranking. So, um, I mean, it's tough to compliment that team, but uh, you know it. At the end of the day, you, you have to look at these uh, teams and realize that they're people and that they want to be successful, too. You know, you, you're, you're completely irrational and unfounded hate for them based solely on the, on the sport of competition can only go so far. So it's nice to see that, you know, even despite the, 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 rocky, <laughs> the rocky mountain way that Sackick has led so far. Yes, you can shoot me in, in the comments for that one. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, good for him. All right, so he's got he's got something to put in his cap. That's that's good. But the the real thing is, well, how does he go from there? So uh, I I don't I don't know if uh, you know I don't know if any of those current players are gonna the players that he got are gonna obviously pan out in their system. I mean. You have to admit that there is something to be said about different organization systems and the environment that they develop these players in. So, like, for the next wave of defenseman guy they got from Nashville, it's like, I, I hope he already has the tools because last I checked, I don't, when, when was the last mega defenseman developed in the Colorado system, right? So hopefully he can kind of bring some of what he learned in Nashville, maybe spread the wealth a little bit, and then – you know, Colorado can be closer to, to competitiveness than than not. And then as far as, like, the forwards go, like, I, I'm I'm happy for Kyle Turris. I, and I was reading a couple of tweets from some other Sens folk that I follow, Bonk Smollett in particular, which is, like, for Ottawa as well, it's like, hey, they they got the best years out of them, then they got fair, then they got fair value out of them. So because sometimes you just hang on to a player for too long and, Maybe you missed out on a trade. So it sounds like everybody pretty much made out pretty well on this. And I could say pretty a couple more times, but I know Pete, being the English major that he is, is really tired of my use of that word. You're not seeing it right now, folks. His ears are bleeding, and it's kind of weird when he's got headphones on. So it's like kind of a just sit and like a little bit of splatter, you know. So, uh, but I digress. Uh, you know, good good for you, Joe. I mean, it, it's it's I, I I hope I hope never again you get to touch the Stanley Cup because you want it, but. You know, it's nice to show, to see that you have some aptitude in the area to be able to swing this. I mean, again, I, I, I would love to see – I mean, that's that's the kind of cool part now with realignment is because if Colorado is good again, maybe we could actually play Colorado for the cup. That could be pretty cool, right? Like, like, yeah. like a complete and utter exclamation point end to a rivalry that has mostly been dead for maybe 10 years, right? So I'm all, I'm all on board. Yeah, I mean, I, I think going back to what you said before about the, the last great uh, Colorado defenseman that they developed, I think the answer is Ray Bork, pretty clearly. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, you know. Yeah, he, they really had the, 
they really a big had part process. of the cup. <laughs> well, it's it's funny when you're when you're able to develop a player solely through another team, right? They kept those, exactly. They kept it. I mean, it's really fortunate that Colorado was able to strike that deal years ago to have yeah. uh, uh, Boston be their be their affiliate. So that's that's fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've heard of the long game. <laughs> the really game long theory. game. It's all game theory now. Exactly. Stand by for a seventy-two part tweet. Although, actually, now now that now that tweets are two hundred eighty characters, it's only thirty uh, thirty-six. Yeah, thirty-six tweets. Yeah. Same on these um, fellas. So, a couple a couple of things. I mean, I think I think Nashville definitely comes out as as either the winner of this trade or definitely like they definitely did well because they acquired Kyle Turris and Kyle Turris is not one of the most highly highly uh esteemed centers in the league in terms of uh you know fans but I forget who it was but somebody somebody was was talking about I think like their last 300 or so games their stats were remarkably similar like they had very very similar stats and so last year in the in the finals you know one of the I I guess you could say I think one of the reasons that um Nashville wasn't able to pull it off was because they lost Johansson and I think that this now helps shore up their center depth I mean Having him as their number two center is like an embarrassment of riches for them because, you know, he's he's probably a top he's probably a top line center in the league. I mean, he's not going to be like the top half. You know, he's not like your top ten top centers. But I mean, I, I think it's pretty pretty tough to to look at his production and say that he's not one of the top thirty centers in the league. So you added him, and he's going to be your second line center. So I think that's uh you know I, I think that's really good. They gave up a potentially you know. A potential star defenseman, who I think it seems fairly likely, you know, is on a good track to develop into that. But I mean, they already have, you know, a solid top four. You know, they have other prospects and draft picks, etc. And so I think Nashville was able to upgrade, or you know, definitely able to upgrade without without selling the farm. You know, like uh, originally there were there were rumors that they were going to have to give up Ekholm. and I think that not having to give up one of their current defensemen, I think, is a big boon for them. For Colorado, Colorado is really interesting because this almost seemed like the like the NHL video game version of a trade. You know, it's like, hi, I want to trade this guy for this guy. And they're like, no thanks. And you're like, how about if I add a third round pick? And you're like, I like what I'm hearing, but still not enough. What about <laughs> if I add a fourth round pick in addition? I don't know. That's starting to sound a little bit better. And like by the end of the day, like you've you've traded like half of your you know half of your draft picks because you need to increase that bar just a little bit. And but like the the problem from Colorado's end is yes they they got a a defenseman. And I mean if uh, if, if if the defenseman develops into a or Gerard, sorry, I blanked on his name. If Gerard and Bowers end up being the type of players that they could be, which seems, you know, definitely possible, if they develop into those players, then I think you can say Colorado did definitely pretty well with this. The problem is that, yes, they got a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a third-round pick, but at the same time, you have Matthew Shane and Kyle Turris, both players that are actual first-liners. You know, the first-round picks, you know, you got a lottery ticket, and 
could be good. You know, I mean, but, you know, think back to first-round picks that have not been good. You know, first-round picks that have been busts. So Colorado could end up the big winner, but it's going to take a long time to find out, and, and it's going to take future good decisions on their part, which is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, and then lastly, the, the one last thing is is I think Ottawa – I said this from the beginning. I don't think Ottawa did very well here. Because, the, you know, Duchesne is probably an upgrade from Turris. He's not a huge upgrade from Turris. But in order to upgrade him, they sent, you know, Hammond, who's not the biggest thing. But they sent a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and their last year's first-round pick. So they sent all those assets just to get a little bit of an upgrade. Like, to me, it seems like Ottawa, Ottawa overpaid. But at the same point, I mean, they came within one goal of going to the Stanley Cup Finals last year. So if Duchesne over tourists can put them over the top, then who knows? Maybe you know, maybe it'll be a win for them as well. What do you think? Well, I need to correct you on one thing. I think losing the Hamburglar is the biggest reason why Ottawa lost this trade. You don't get uh, you yes. don't you don't get rid of a guy like that. You just don't. And you know, hey, if it pays off for him, great. But listen, the the most exciting moment in sports having a hamburger thrown at you because you've stolen a game. That's something that has to happen in Colorado now, and I, they they can't call yeah. him the Rocky Mountain Oyster Burglar, right? Like that's, yeah. that's not something that they can do, and that'd be far more disgusting to throw on the ice. So yeah, and then you, then you have to have a player eat the burger after yep. it's thrown on the ice. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I again, I I would be very interested to see if this is the. I would be kind of shocked if this is the only move that Ottawa wants to be a part of for the season. You know, because I think sure. if, if they if they give up, if they're trying to push a little bit further, you know, I, again, I, I haven't studied them too much, but uh, you know, obviously every team could use another good, you know, another good guy on the back end or, you know, a, a solid winger or whatnot. So, if this is the only move they make, and then they can, you know, then they go, let's say all the way to the final, maybe not win it, but just like actually go to the final. I mean, that's that's when every GM in the league looks around and be like, what did we do wrong? You mean we should have traded less people? What? So. <laughs> we should play not a super boring style of hockey. Yeah. <laughs> that is the worst thing to watch ever. Uh, if you go back to, uh, you know, maybe New Jersey. New Jersey in the 90s is probably the most boring hockey I can remember watching. Yep. Um, but I got him a cup, yeah. so... Two, you know, the <laughs> late 2010s Ottawa is not much, not much better. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah, double. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, Matthew Shane, good luck, uh, good luck being the lock in the left wing, uh, setting up the trap, or whatever. I, I, I don't know what that Bond villain runs over there. I forget. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Boucher's got like that lair in the volcano that rests underneath Parliament. So <laughs> yeah. Um, just, just keep an eye out for that. All right, so yeah, so wrapping this up, Matthew Shane, Matthew Shane, finally free. He has been freed, and it seems like uh, like both team, you know, all three teams involved could potentially have uh, have have gotten a win here. But we're gonna have to wait a little while or a long while in Colorado's case to see just how how good this trade pans out. Moving on to our next segment, it's story time, Peter. Yay! Yay. That, that's right, storylines from around the league that we'd like to check in on or stuff that has 
suddenly popped up on our radars. Uh, obviously, the first thing that we need to talk about, and it's now now growing into the uh, the most awesome water cooler discussion all around the Great White North, and then mostly the northern cities of these United States, and that's the curious case of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Pete, uh, what's going on here? Yeah, so as we are recording this, on we're recording this on Friday. Last night, the Edmonton Oilers came to my neck of the woods, and they played against uh, New Jersey, and I got to go. I, I got to sit down in the lower bowl, but I think I was 13 rows up, almost center ice, and so I had a really good view of this. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm somebody who watched Edmonton play a lot last year because they were always entertaining. You know, anytime if they were not on, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, I would always go out of my way to watch them. And something is really wrong. Like, like they are not the same team as last year. And the crazy thing is, you know, I was so excited. Like, honestly, the, the whole reason I went to this game is because I wanted to see McDavid. And he just he doesn't look like he did last year. I mean, if we saw the beginning of the year, you know, he had, you know, he, he wasn't scoring as much, um, but, you know, he did have some of those highlight reel, you know, the, you know, the spinorama assist or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, from time to time, you know, he, he, he'd do what he did last year. He had the, you know, these electrifying rushes up the ice. And I don't know, like if, if you had told me going into this game, if you had said, Hey, Edmonton has like, what could be the best player in the world on their team. And I'd never seen hockey before. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything at the end of the game. I wouldn't have been able to tell you who it was, which is, which is so weird because last year it seemed like at least a couple times a game, he'd do something ridiculous. And he was just pretty invisible out there. Dry looked invisible. I mean, the, the tying goal was scored by Lucic on a feed from Nugent Hopkins and uh, Schlepeshev scored the first goal. So, I mean, their, their first line was invisible and so I don't know if maybe they're going through a bad like a bad stretch, but something is really wrong. Uh, now Jay, you've gotten to see him play a little bit, right? Because they played Detroit a little while ago. I don't know if you got yeah. to. Did you get to see that? Okay, yeah. So 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 based on that game, and if you've seen other things, like like what do you think's going on here? I oh, I think there's a a curious uh, chemistry thing here because I mean. A team that has supposedly the, the league's number one star, but also Milan Lucic, that seems like it should – in my opinion, that cancels out the team. <laughs> that's that's my opinion. Like, you, like, there's only so many pros and cons you can put on either side of the scale and then have it even out. I think – I don't know. I – I mean, I I really like McClellan. I I'm I'm curious. Is I mean, he's obviously the one who's going to be you know staying up at night trying to figure out what the heck's going on here. But you know, he he had all those really talented Sharks teams and really couldn't do anything with them. And um, I don't know. I I don't know if it's a leadership thing that needs to happen. I mean, it that's the other part that I'm kind of worried about g- given the current climate of the league because I guess there's a lot of emphasis on veterans to the point of like, well, then maybe they should be the captains, but then here you are, you've got Conor McDavid, who is the captain, and it's like, by de facto, they kind of just like gave it to him. Now, granted, I'm not in Edmonton. Maybe I missed the part where like he walked in one day to practice and like ran practice and the coach sat back and was like, that's that's, that's our captain. 
<laughs> we found him, boys. You know, like, I don't remember, like, there being, it was just like, he's the most talented player. The Oilers are on the rise. We should give him the C. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think there's just a little too much expectation probably getting to everyone's heads, and um, and we're seeing the result of it. So, the, the, I think the team is talented, right? But I think they're I think they're getting in their own way right now mentally. And um, I I say this because I do so want the Red Wings to be successful. But given how crappily that they played and how they were just able to shut the Oilers down in every possible facet, I mean, I think I was because I called you after that game. And I was like, how much of this is going to be the Oilers sucked or the Red Wings are actually good, right? So I would be more inclined to think that the Oilers were not very good that night. (laughs) And then maybe a little bit of the Red Wings playing a a particular type of game, you know, because I think it's, I think there's a history of Detroit teams playing to their competition. So it's like, Hey, the Oilers are supposed to be good. So that means we should play good, huh? So I'm, I'm, convinced that there is I mean you've seen it I've seen it there's something going on there what exactly it is I think is still the fun the fun mystery right now so um I would be very shocked if they I like I think I already saw something the other day where they're already talking about Dolan like the the next star like defenseman for the next draft or whatever and then like somebody somebody was saying like the Oilers need to (laughs) <laughs> Need to already already start uh, making making preparations to professionally tank to get them, and I think I don't know if it was like Bobby Big Wheel or something, but they were like, "It's time to fold the NHL." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's time. In addition to getting CC Edmondson play last night and being, like I said before, you know, definitely disappointed. Um, I just wanted to really quickly talk about something that, or you know, just kind of point out something that happened in that game, which is where. Um, uh, Waluigi looked like uh, Brian Boyle. He was he he scored his first goal after being diagnosed with cancer last year. And you know, my experience with Brian Boyle over the years has been a player. I don't even know if I say I love to hate, but a, a player that I I hated whenever we played because you know he he either score a goal against us or he'd you know do something. Uh, I guess you could say slightly bending the rules. You know, he you know he, he he seemed seemed to do a lot of things that made it easy to root against him. But at the same time, I mean, you know, there's you know there's a difference between you know not liking a player because he's a hockey player and something like this. So I think it was it was pretty great to see him score his first goal uh, as a Devil after you know the cancer diagnosis and. You know, being able to come back and just play. I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. Jay, do we have you been able to see the highlight yet, or no? I'm. I, I did see the highlight, um, and I'm going to take a Wes Mantooth approach to the Brian Boyle uh, situation. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate you with every fiber of my soul, but God damn it, do I respect you. <laughs> so uh, that's really great to see Brian Boyle back on the ice. I. I don't know. I mean, medical technology and treatments and stuff, you know, if if it's if we're advancing to the point where you can have potentially debilita- debilitating and for the most part life-threatening uh illnesses, but you're able to 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 be treated and to be able to come back, you know, does it speak to a fitness of the person or does it speak to the to the wellness of 
of the treatment. I'd like to think it's a little bit of both because, you know, coming from good stock and being, you know, a healthy person, exercising, doing all, doing all the right things to keep yourself ahead of, you know, non-health, does, it literally does wonders. And uh, they were saying, like, he's never cried after scoring a goal, but that was the first time he did. I'm like, well, you're damn right you would cry. Yeah. You know, you basically get told that, you know, hey, there's – there is a sizable roadblock that's that's up ahead here, and, you know, there's a couple ways to go about this. And, you know, I, I think whenever you get handed a diagnosis like that, I mean, I've, I've known people who've been handed that, and it's, 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 a, it's a terrible feeling. It's a lost feeling. You go through the stages. You don't know, like, what to do. You want to go through stuff. But the thing that sucks is, like, almost in the immediate aftermath of finding out, you're like, well, I can't do this anymore. I can't do. I can't live my life, and it's it's horrible. It's terrifying. But to see Brian Boyle probably go through that and be like, geez, am I ever going to be able to lace him up again? And then he does, and then he scores a goal, and 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 it's it's really uplifting and good for him. And I swear to crap, if he scores a goal on us, <laughs> so I'm I'm still going to be mad. But it's like it's like, oh, okay, all right, you deserve it, you. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, so uh, the other the other storyline that I definitely wanted to touch on uh, in this episode is uh, just just the latest installment of our, our ongoing series, George McPhee is bad at his job. And, <laughs> you know, this is a very long-running series. Uh, the first episode, or probably not the first episode, one of the first major episodes that brought this series to everybody's attention was the Martin Erat for Philip Forsberg trade. You know, so George McPhee has been on the wrong side of uh, incredulity over his uh, decisions uh, for quite some time now. And if you if you didn't read it on our site, uh, our my colleague Mike and I we spent what seemed like forever going over the expansion draft. You know, predicting who you know who each team was going to protect, and then uh, you know you know doing mock drafts and. When the actual draft happened and all that, you know, all the the draft and the trading and all that stuff, you know, we were both scratching our heads like, that's that's all he got out of out of this whole situation. But in case again, in case you miss it, the Vegas Golden Knights have the first player to retire from their team, right? So this is going to be a trivia question down the road. Who is um, you know, who is the first player to retire as a Vegas Golden Knight? It could also probably be who is the first player to retire after playing for only one team in the span of, like, two games or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> so if you miss this, um, the, uh, the, the the Russian KHL star that Vegas uh, signed was Shipachov Doubt um, back to Russia. They got rid of him. Okay, okay, Pete, calm it down. Reel it in, reel it in. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Um, I just I just came back from John Keating fantasy camp. And, uh, <laughs> I'm just oh, I, 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 I love John Keating, but I very do good. I do have to I do I I, I do <laughs> kind of have a love hate relationship with his tortured uh, transitions. It just it makes me laugh, even though I'm like, oh my god, that's ridiculous. But anyway, so so he is going to go back to Russia. He's going to be able to play in the KHL, and. There were some interesting things that came out of this that that really highlight the the title of this segment. George McPhee is bad at his job. Where there was a quote from McPhee that basically said he was our he was our worst center. He was our worst center. He never got it going. I believe he played for somewhere around thirty five v five minutes. 
before they made this they made this determination. They made him their big they made him their first signing. They gave him four and a half million dollars um, to sign for two years. And after seeing him play for a couple games, they're like, nope, nope, got to get rid of this guy. And so, Jay, this this seems like a really weird situation. <laughs> like, this, so so, what's your thought process been following this this crazy situation? I'm just really excited that this, this is probably not the only time something crappy happens there, and I'm really excited for the continued crappy things that happen there because I always get to use. My favorite line from Ocean's Eleven, in this town, your luck can change just that quickly. <laughs> yeah. So one day, Shippichov's a knight. The other day, he's he's having a flight. So this is uh, this is uh, extraordinary. And I think I, I'm in the – I'm firmly in the what a time to be alive camp to witness this team. Um, I certainly think their future 30 for 30 is going to be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> But what if I told you the Knights weren't as golden as you thought? You know, like, this this is going to be – this is Hall of Fame stuff happening right now, and I I'm, I am here for it. I, I'm – I don't know. Like, think of all of the all of the retrospectives that we can do now on, on, on Shippy Chow, right? Like, five minutes, that's it. That's all. That's all it would be like. He's become the first sterling footnote in this crazy saga of a hockey team and another hockey team in the desert. So, um, I, I, I just want to know what what what'll happen next. Is it going to be a blockbuster trade that sends James Neal to 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 Edmonton in exchange for uh, Milan Lucic? It could happen, folks. You never know. Vegas could suddenly want to get gritty. Because that's what wins you championships, right, Pete? So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I have all, I've put all of my investments in popcorn right now because that's all I need to watch this. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely reminds me of another, uh, another line from Ocean's Eleven, which is, "You're either in or you're out right now." And he's like, "Okay, I guess, I guess I'm out. I guess I'm out. See you later. See you later." Didn't even have a chance to look at the plane ticket. Just see you. See you later. Thanks for playing. Ten minutes. All right, so those are a couple storylines we've been following. Uh, Jay, is there any other other storylines you're interested in? Well, I wanted to close this out um, by talking about a very momentous moment that happened just last night. Sure. And um, our old pal, our old friend, he was kind of bumming around, wasn't sure whether or not he was going to get another chance to lace him up, but... He's back on the ice for Calgary, and last oh, night. Oh, I thought you were talking about Brendan Smith. Sorry. Oh, sorry. We, we, we. Well, that's that's good. That's that's right. That's right. <laughs> Very good. Very good, Peter. Point points to you. I am, of course, talking about our mulleted friend, Mr. Yarmir Yager. Uh, he scored his first goal for the Calgary squad last night at the Rogers Place Scotiabank Other Canadian Tire Center, Pengrove Saddledome. Because uh, now, at some point, we're all just going to be we're, we're going to reach uh, critical mass where anything it's going to be the Rogers Senators, the Rogers Maple Leafs, the Rogers Flames. <laughs> yeah, they're just taking everything over. But and then it's going to but then it'll be like the Rod, the Scotiabank Senators brought to you by Rogers. That's what it's going to yeah. be. I think that's it'll be, exactly the, it'll be the Rogers Rogers sponsored yeah. by the movie Airplane. And then, and then the Vector Victors. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I'm extremely proud uh, of of him still playing. Uh, they said last night, I guess he's only 45 games away from uh, tying Mr. Hockey in uh, games played ever 
and would need only and obviously he needs 50 to surpass him so my selfishness is uh kind of in high gear right now because I would love for him to do what Chris Chelios did which was you know get close but still leave it up to Gordon but mm. Jeremy Yager is a rock star for all we know yeah. the next the, the next 40, 50 games he's going to he's going to play in every single one of them maybe notch like 15 points probably no matter what he's he's definitely behind uh Gordy Howe for most games played with your children <laughs> well yeah I th- <laughs> Uh, unless, unless some dynamite expose comes out and be like, Yager's kids have been playing in the league all along. Yeah. Congratulations. Connor McDavid is the spawn of Yarmir Yager. Like, whoa. Johnny, Dugro- Johnny Goudreau is Yager's grandson. <laughs> <laughs> We've been playing out the Star Wars scenario for the last 25 years, people. <laughs> this is exactly what we wanted. Luke. Turns out- <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> And then he's like, okay, yeah, next one, <laughs> Matt, Matt Duchesne, I am your father. So so, that, so that's neat. So congrats, Yager. You know, I, again, I, I am, he's the one of the most fascinating players I've ever seen. And there was a time not too long ago, Peter, where he was almost a Red Wing. And from what I understand, he wanted to be a Red Wing. Mm. But – we were just like, ah, but we have, but we have Dan Cleary, <laughs> uh, like our our our, cra- our scraggly, surprising veteran position is already filled up. So sorry, <laughs> but then now you see it now, and it's like, well, geez, you know, in terms of like torch handing off, like how how hilarious would it have been? I I guess I just wanted to be part of that traveling Yagers group, right? Because yeah. I I would love for Yager to play for at least every team, then that way. The traveling Yagers become an exclusive club, where like they're like the next time he plays for a different team, they have an entire review process of who to add to the group, <laughs> right? And then and then it's just a group of thirty people. And then as the years go by, there's like Hunger Games style triers to be like the next Yager in the Yager Yager club. So, <laughs> so last night was big, and I'm surprised the league isn't talking about it more. But we'll see. We'll see what happens as the season rolls on. Yeah. All right, so joining us today uh, for our interview, we have Scott Matla from Habs Eyes on the Prize. You can we'll, we'll plug it again at the end, but you can find him on Twitter at Scott Matla, just like you think, S-C-O-T-T-M-A-T-L-A. All right, so Scott, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad that the first try, someone got my name right. I always get Malta first. Oh, really? Get, yeah, they confuse me with the country, so they just go, oh, Malta, so your family's <laughs> there? And I go, no. You're reading my name wrong, so. <laughs> it's like I'm not Scott of Malta, you know, no. Scott de Malta. No, you have to admit, that's actually kind of cooler. So like, I am Scott of Malta. Yeah, you know I me? wish. Make me feel a whole lot more important, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, you know, just to get started, let, let's, just, let's just talk about um, how, did you, how did you come to be a fan of Montreal, and then how did you come to, you know, be somebody who writes uh, about the Habs? Uh, my whole hockey thing was it was Saku Koivu was diagnosed with cancer and he was going through all that. So I remember reading about that and I, you know, was inspired by that kind of story. So I looked into the history of the team, started following a little bit closer. And then I kind of fell out of it for a little bit in high school, college. And then the 2010 playoff run came around again. And those first two rounds against Pittsburgh and Washington where Yaroslav Halak played out of his mind was 
the most fun I've ever had watching hockey. So then from there, I, you know, got heavy into the team. Being from Rochester, they named Brian Gianta captain the year after that, and it's like, cool, I've got, you know, this hometown thing that I can get into. Then as I followed the team, I came across Eyes on the Prize on Twitter as I was getting into that. And I was in college, I needed an internship for my sports management degree, and I, I knew Andrew Berkshire, who was the head, uh, the managing editor at the time, and I said, hey, can I write for the site? I know you guys are looking for an AHL person. I need to do this. My teachers approved it, and five years later, I'm, I think, the second longest tenured person on staff at Eyes on the Prize now, so Hey-o. that's kind of how I got into it. Yeah, right? Nice. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so... Uh, speaking of the AHL, um, I, I, again, Pete, I think, and I are starting to define our roles on these interviews a little bit. Pete's like the hockey, and then I'm I'm more like the ethereal, the not exactly game related stuff. So I so I'm I'm a big jersey I'm a big jersey guy, and uh, recently I noticed that um, I, I forget who, and 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 I sound completely unprofessional for for not remembering this, but. Recently, one of the the Habs AHL affiliates rebranded because aren't they like the Rockets now? Uh, they went from Hamilton. Uh, three years ago, they were still in Hamilton. That's where they had been for a while. They went to St. John's for two years, where they were the uh, they took over the Jets old franchise. And then this past year, moved to Laval, and they are just the Rocket this year. Now this is likely their home for the next little while. So okay, yeah. So the Laval Rocket, and again, I, I want to direct everybody's attention to this. Probably the like the classiest, cleanest, sharpest AHL uh, sweater that I've seen in like forever, and I now want to yell at you because not only do the Canadians have one of the cleanest, now <laughs> they have to have one of their minor league teams look just as clean, if not a little bit cleaner. So um, I mean, I don't know if there's a question there. I just wanted to be like, you know, hey man, like knock it off. Well, it's funny that their jerseys they have this year, they played two games to start the season and then had to change the outlines on the numbers and names because watching on AHL Live, which is shot through a potato, you can't, <laughs> That's right. yeah. you can't see any of the names and numbers. I'm like, is that a nine? Is that a seven? Is it an eight? I don't know who yeah. scored the goal, so. Yeah, well, the again, the, the jersey itself has, has a lot of, like, old-school um, Canadians – uh, design aspect to it, but just like the changes they made with like the giant R and, and whatnot, and and I totally see what you're saying now because I mean I actually haven't been able to see players actually playing them. Um, and you're right. I mean I would love for the AHL to switch from potatoes to um, to I yams because I think <laughs> yams actually have a higher higher video resolution these days. So we'll find a better vegetable or sprout or whatever the hell a potato is to shoot it through, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So like, hey, uh, hey, we're shooting in 4K. We got four layers of kale over the lens. <laughs> uh, oh jeez. Oh it's, god. Uh, it would be, at one point I would love to install a live frown meter as we as we as people listen to this podcast so like as we keep going it's like those live Twitter debates, like, all right, rapid fire. Do you think this is good or this is good? And, like, the percentages always tick in one direction, and then someone else starts talking, and then it sticks in the other. We're dipping into the red here for that kale uh, <laughs> on Peter. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm gonna jump to a mailbag question because it's one of the topics that I, I really wanted to talk to, too. Um, so let's see. I'll ask the question first, and I'll add a little bit of, of, of my part, and then you can just go. So, uh, Rorpar, who, who I think asks the question every time, which is fantastic, like I said before, what happens to Lindgren slash the goalie situation when Price is back? 
Um, he has a stellar save percentage so far, and Price doesn't. Uh, was his Rocky start um, due to the same lower body thing? Because I, you know, I, I did a little bit of, of looking at the stats, and I think for goalies with 300 minutes or more, I think Carey Price is the bottom for a goal saved above average, which is shocking because he's always in the top three, top five in pretty much every category. So from somebody who's been paying attention to this, you know, what, so what's going on with Price? What's going on with the goalies? Well, yeah. Price is out with a lower body injury that everyone says is unrelated to the one that took him out for the entire season two two years ago. Yeah. And, of course, everyone in Montreal goes, oh, it's not the same thing, but everyone's thinking it's the same thing because panic. He's not as bad as his numbers show. Something clearly isn't right, but we don't know. The penalty kill hasn't been great, which hasn't helped him out a lot. But at the same time, he's better than what his numbers show. He's going to rebound. He's too good to not come back from this. He's not a sub-900 goalie. He's not a sub-910 goalie. He'll come back, and either it's just a mental thing and getting his game focused. Um, as for Charlie Lindgren, who's been fantastic, he's been good in the AHL last year. He's been good when he's called up to the NHL. Depending on how long Al Montoya is out, Lindgren can be his backup for the time being. But since he doesn't require waivers and they want Laval to succeed – if Montoya and Price are healthy, you'll likely see Lindgren go back down to the AHL, and that makes the most sense. He can play the most games there, get the most reps, and that's what you need to develop a goalie. So, so uh, I want to ask this, uh, uh, Scott, because you know, years and years and years of watching Price be, um, what's the word, um, filthy, and uh, like. and and <laughs> and like the the deification of Price there, like. In your opinion, has has Price already cemented himself as an all-timer Canadians goalie, or do you think he still needs to do more? Because isn't he? Because what he's like thirty now, right? Or thirty-one? He's just around thirty, I believe. I'm not yeah. sure off the top of my head. So you know, whatever you know, what, we all have our different times when we raise our hand and say, "Oh, the." The bottom, the, the the cliff is coming. It's time to time to start the descent down into whether or not how much he can actually keep this up. So you know, because this is the part that I always get confused about. Because for me, when I'm talking about Hall of Fame players and all-time greats and stuff, you know, what everybody has their different criteria. My opinion is I think Price has just been solid for forever enough to be mentioned. But I, I always wanted to ask a Habs fan like. Do you agree? <laughs> or do you think he's still missing some, like, obviously he's missing the thing, you know, the prize for which your eyes are securely locked. <laughs> That's the hard part. It depends on which group of fans you ask. The old school fans who, you know, watched and expected a Stanley Cup every other year, every two years. I was, I'm 26 years old. I've been alive for one Canadian Stanley Cup. So it's like, I've watched him break every record in the book, minutes, saves, games, all the – he's behind, I think, just Patrick Waugh in most categories, and Patrick Waugh's a Hall of Fame goalie with two different teams. It's tough because he's been the backbone of the franchise since he was drafted almost. He's done everything. He set all these records. The only thing he doesn't have – he's won every award that he could possibly win. The only thing he doesn't have is the Stanley Cup. People say if Price wins the Stanley Cup, it's a no-doubt-about-it thing, and he's in. You're going to see a number in the Raptors at some point. But until that happens, it's kind of a contentious debate in the fan base. I personally think he's an all-timer for Montreal, given how well he's played and how much he's done for this team that's been flawed for a while. 
he's carried that team to kicking and screaming into the playoffs more times than I can count. So <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, oh, what's uh, Scrooge McDuck picking up Huey, Dewey, and Louie, like, and like throwing them in the car, like, all right, let's go. <laughs> We're going to the playoffs. Like, no, no, we want to, we want to develop and do so. He's like, nope, nope, tiny little playoffs. <laughs> and that's how it was. It was, um, I want to say, was it, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was against Ottawa that Montreal won the first two games and Andrew Hammond stopped playing in that for Ottawa. And it was just the Carey Price show for the next three games until they beat Ottawa in six. And it's like you watch him play and you you look at who comes in after him and it's such a drop-off, even as good as Lindgren's been in the past. When he's not in net, the team changes so dramatically, it's almost hard to ignore. So... Because Price is as good as he is, and, and I guess this isn't so much a, a Canadians-centric question, maybe just like an all-hockey thing. Like, when a goalie is that good, do you, like, I guess what I'm trying to say or ask is, is him being good beneficial in the long run for the team? Because does it, do you think it convinces the team to be better? Right? Because, like, if he's playing so well, or do the, does the team be like, nah, Price is on tonight. We only have to skate a little bit. You know, like. It's a double-edged sword. A lot of the things when Michel Terrien was coach, Carey Price covered up for that. It's like the defensive systems were bad. And they were allowing a lot of high-danger shots against. But because Carey Price is Carey Price, he does extremely well at stopping that. We Canadians fans and the team shouldn't have to apologize for having one of the best goalies in the world. But at the same time, you shouldn't have to lean on him to do everything. He can't score goals. He can't – well, he did kill penalties mostly by himself for a little while. But at yeah. the same time, you can't rely on him to do everything, but you shouldn't apologize for when he does do everything. The yeah. systems might be bad, but you can't hate the player for thriving and performing extremely well under those circumstances. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, um, you know, at, at the same time, it's tough because – you know, if if you have a player like that who's who's helping to mask you know the team's inefficiencies, obviously that works if you can then still win the cup. You know, because you know that's the goal. You know, but then if you know if you have you know kind of price covering up for these weaknesses either in systems you know uh, through coaching or or the players or or, or, or um, you know the general manager making certain trades. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, we need a puck. You know, you know, it'd be great if we had a puck moving defenseman. Hmm, where can we find <laughs> one of those? Probably like, on another oh, team boy. at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so so actually, uh, you know, let me ask you this. So it's been it's been a little while since uh, the the Druin trade, right? So you know the uh, so the Habs got Druin. They traded away Sergachev. And, you know, based on what you've been able to see, like, do you think that at this point, do you think that that has been a win for Montreal? Do you think it's a loss or do you think it's a wash or, you know, too early to tell? It's one of the rare moments where both teams end up winning in that. Tampa Bay gets a young puck-moving defenseman. Montreal gets a superstar forward who's playing extremely well as their top-line center right now. He missed last game with a minor hand injury. He's supposed to be back against Buffalo since this won't and hopefully will perform well against Buffalo. But everyone's like, oh, well, we need to puck move a defenseman. It's like, yeah, but we also got this young superstar. It's okay to think that, yeah, we needed Sergeyev, but at the same time, we got a guy who's capable of, you know, possibly getting 70 points in a season, everything like that. It's kind of a wash that both teams made out pretty well in this trade, especially since it was one for one. 
with some conditional draft picks thrown in. Yeah, well, the trade is one for one. We've been hearing that a lot in <laughs> Montreal. Although, although hopefully this, you know, hopefully this one uh, will have a, a better outcome. Although, you know, with the the, the Weber Subban, it's still, you know, you still never know. You still never know what's going to happen. You know, they both have a while left in their careers. Yeah, and that's the thing about it was for the first couple of years, it's going to be a wash. Weber's an extremely capable defenseman at doing what he does. When he's out of the lineup, it's very noticeable in Montreal. People talk about his goal scoring, but in the defensive zone, he's a brick. He was not a brick. He is a foundation for that defensive group. You know, it's very noticeable when he's not playing because, you know, the power play might struggle a little bit. The defensive zone coverage isn't as tight as it normally was. Um, As the career goes on, depending on how steeply Weber declines, then you're going to see the trade start to look a little bit worse and worse as time goes on. But who knows? Maybe it'll be one of those random things that he'll magically end up getting better as his career ends. Who knows? But... Yeah, I think Alexi Yemelin is, is the brick in, in, in analogy. Thanks, George McPhee. Thank you so much for taking Alexi Yemelin in the expansion draft. Okay, so, so we're going to get back to some, some, uh, some Montreal questions or, or general hockey questions. But we wanted to do it, – it, it's not a game, but we wanted to do this little, little segment. We were going to do it in the main, uh, the main episode, and I, I totally forgot about it. So a couple nights ago I went to go see um, – New Jersey and Edmonton play. Uh, speaking of speaking of trades, I went to go see New Jersey uh, and Edmonton play. Oh, and I forgot to say this before that Adam Larson had two of the the dumbest penalties I think I've ever seen. One of them was he was skating by a guy and he just grabbed his helmet like he he like reached around and grabbed him like by the face and just yanked him to the ice. Like you you have to go back and try to find this clip. It was. The dumbest thing I've ever seen, and it, I don't think it was like retaliation. It was just like I don't know. I mean, it was WWE night at at, uh, at Prudential Center. Maybe he got carried away. But anyway, so I had a lot of fun. The game was a lot of fun. It was enjoyable. But sitting behind me was about it was this this little six year old kid, and I do have to say I'm not going to blame him because he's six years old. All right, I'm not going to be like George Carlin in his classic routine. Yes, he's going to go after children. <laughs> so this little six-year-old kid, and I do have to say that he definitely brought down some of the hockey experience for me because he's screaming in my ear just like the most inane, dumb stuff. So the way I wanted to frame this so I'm not going after a six-year-old is <laughs> let's give some advice. It, it seems like that's not a good uh, – that's not good for my brand, I don't think. So – if you were, um, you know, let, let's give some tips for parents out there or older older siblings, brothers or sisters. Um, you know, you have a, a young, impressionable person who's going to his or her first hockey game. What advice do you give that young person to to help them be a good fan and not an irritating fan that somebody wants to turn around and scream at? Uh, Scott, since you're our guest, I'm going to let you go first uh, with a tip or several or whatever. We'll just go around. For the love of God, don't bang on the glass. No one likes a glass hole. No one. You yeah. If you were sitting behind the net and you wear a neon shirt, I hate you. You're the worst to watch on TV because I continually – it'll pan to that end, and the first thing I will notice is the neon shirt, not the play. And it's even worse if it's a neon like orange or red or pink because I continually think it's the goal light going off. <laughs> And uh, for the love of God, if you're the person that yells shoot unironically, everyone hates you. <laughs> I, that's all there is to it. 
yell something funny like get a Corsi attempt or <laughs> zone entry. Yell something <laughs> funny. Don't just yell shoot on the penalty kill because it makes me want to – yeah. I just had a fan- <laughs> I just had a fantastic idea for a a t shirt that has like a, a red LED bar across no. it and no. you sit behind the goal Don't and just randomly turn it. it on. Oh my Why? Why would oh. you put that evil on the hockey world? Oh no. <laughs> oh okay, well James, all right. so what do you got? Yeah, yeah, I wanna go I wanna do this. Um when raising younglings in the sport of hockey, I think it's best to give them a heads up about the things that are going to happen most frequently. And I think that there's this, an extreme lack of that uh, going around. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I have been around children. And we all know the number one constant stoppage of play is offsides. Right? That's sure. That is a no-brainer. If the kid has to ask six or seven times, why did they stop? Why did they stop? Mother, father, that's on you. Condition, condition your, before you even step foot in the building, be like, hey, buddy, or heck, you could even wait and like just for right before warm-up start. Just be like, hey, buddy, so this is hockey. <laughs> you know, I know, I know you're only 12 months old, right? But I'm going to, but I need to explain something to you. The number one reason this game is going to stop and the number one reason you're going to hear whistles most is because the play goes offside. It's the number one thing. So unless I tell you otherwise, it's offside, and the play will resume in just a few short moments. But if, again, obviously depending upon the level of uh, comprehension the child has, you know, you might have to do that a little while, but the sooner you condition them to expect that the play stopping is because of offsides, then, then it's whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong, in an alternate universe, I'd love for there to be a different reason for every time the whistle blows, and I'd love to actually lead people down a completely ludicrous path. Oh, the, the well, this year is slashing, so. Oh, yeah. Face-off or face-off violation. violation. Well, that's, that's a bonkers thing in the first place. So we, we well, mean, We've got a whistle blowing, and they've introduced a second puck to the ice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this we didn't know they, <laughs> this one's This one's worth three. <laughs> so, oh. uh, so that's fun. Um the other thing I like is uh, that, I, that I want to impress upon people is, and this and this isn't just for hockey. This I think is for all other major experiences. There are levels of age where the child is not going to retain the experience. I think you're just using the child to either get on TV, get on someone's photo reel, or get on someone's Instagram story. I think we all know the famous gif of that Pittsburgh baby going like the ah, like the two double fist thing, and it's just screaming. Shout out to Pat Maldowney because that's basically who I accuse him of, <laughs> of looking like. But, you know, like, okay, so, yes, you've made that grand moment. But, like, this that goes the same for, like, Disney World or other life-changing experiences. Like, take them when they're able to remember the experience. I don't think, you know, a two-year-old is going to remember, you know, when McDavid stepped on the ice, much less so, be, you know, oh, okay, so you've got to, you know, put the earmuffs on or like the soundproof goggles and, and whatnot. And I was like, you know, like I understand you want to go out and, and like educate the kid and, and have him be at this experience and stuff. But odds are, it's just going to be one of those random moments. He's never going to remember. So like five or six, I think is like a good time to like bring him in. Obviously anything before that, you're just kind of rolling the dice and you don't want it. Cause my problem was when I was growing up, I think like my dad took me to, I was living in Chicago at the time. And 
I grew up during the, you know, this is the Jordan era, right? So this is my father taking me to a Bulls game. And so it's kind of loud, kind of loud. But the second the announcer goes, from North Carolina, it just was just like <laughs> deafening roar. And I was crying. And my dad's like, eh, maybe I shouldn't do this. And I'm like, you're right. You shouldn't do this. This is too early. Learn from this. I can't hear anything for the next week. <laughs> so that's, that's my that's my first two. Pete, what are you? I think I have a very simple one because I, I definitely I definitely agree with with everything you've said. Uh, you know the two of you, but I think for me the most annoying thing is the the fan who thinks that he or she is going to be discovered as a broadcaster by their 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 running commentary on what's happening <laughs> and you can t- you can tie this into like screaming at the players like you said before Scott you know the whole shoot thing or um skate which which is actually even worse because it's like like, like what else are they going to do but breathe. You know, the person who breathe yeah. I need you to breathe <laughs> the person who's like hey good job good job Taylor all right Taylor nice job you got the puck it's like shut up like we like we don't want to hear that. Like so, for me, that's probably the most annoying thing is the fan that feels like they have to talk all the time, because it's more is definitely not better. You know, it is it is uh, it is infuriating to have to listen because most of the time they're wrong. Like most of the time, they <laughs> and that's the worst thing too. I mean, it would be bad enough if if they had you know some type of little pearl of wisdom or something like that. Okay, that's great, but they're wrong like all the time about what's happening and that for me that's a little infuriating yeah so i think let's see i want to go back to uh we got a a little bit more i want to go back to one of the mailbag questions because i thought that this would be like a good general montreal question um so this is from wjr and he asks if montreal uh, continues being the way they currently are and i mean they, they have been better so i guess if they you know if there's a chance that they might not recover and make the playoffs let's say that do you know? Do you see them being sellers at the deadline, or do you think they're going to hold on like uh, you know, like death to the you know the, the the hope that they can you know turn it around and make a big run at the end of the year? And if they do that, like, what do you think they'd be willing to give up, or like, what do you think they'd be looking for um, in that hypothetical situation? Well, that's the hard part because it's so early in the season. It's, you know, you go on a two-game winning streak and you're within striking distance of the playoffs again. So you're kind of like, okay, well, what if we don't make the playoffs? It's far too early to know. And if hmm. and by the trade deadline, though, if they're, like, out of it, like, you know, we're talking lottery out of it, playing terribly like they did at the start of the year, which I don't think they will, you'll see them sell off some assets, but I don't think you're going to see – anyone like a carry price because some people have mentioned oh well what if they move price for things like that's not going to happen <laughs> mark bergevin can't possibly trade pk suban and carry price and keep his job it just won't happen but if they're out of it the one name that's always been thrown around is alex galchenyuk and teams are going to be looking for a young centerman he's making less than five million a year for the next three years if they can package him to get a puck moving defenseman to play with shea weber or anything like that and they're out of it, there's a very good chance you see something like that happen. But given the way that they've played recently and the fact that they're continuing to improve and price coming back will immediately hopefully improve on where he's at, I don't think you're going to see them be a huge seller. I think they'll be right in the thick of the playoff hunt and they'll more likely be trying to buy at the deadline, assuming they're right in the thick of that playoff race in the Atlantic Division. So, Yeah, I, for me, I would like to see – 
if Montreal decides to move Galchenyuk, I would like to see them partner with Edmonton because I want to see what happens. I, I want to see what it's like for both teams to lose a trade. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Trading with Peter Chiarelli is hard to lose these days because he's terrible at his job. You trade Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strom, and you trade Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, and then complain that you don't have enough scoring depth. Yeah, It's so unaware that it's almost astounding that this man has a job. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, we'll trade you Galchenyuk and we'll take Oscar Clefbaum and just run in the other direction. I would be 100% okay with that. I mean, I love Alex Galchenyuk. If they're not going to play him at center, trade him for an area of need, and that area of need is a puck-moving offensive defenseman. Oscar Clefbaum is that guy. Yeah, I think it would be great if, um, you know, Elliot Freeman, you know, goes on Twitter, and his first tweet is, we have a trade. It's, it's one a three-way for... trade between McPhee, Bergevin, and Chiarelli. Like, I would immediately buy stock in Popcorn Features because that, oh, would, like, it, that would burn Twitter to the ground. It would be fantastic. It'd be hilarious because I'm actually sure Mark Bergevin might be able to win that trade, too, because George McPhee <laughs> can't handle players, apparently, given this whole Shipachov situation, <laughs> and Peter Chiarelli can't handle anything that got drafted in the top five, so... Yeah, that would be amazing. Oh, man. Now I kind of want to see that happen just for the shits and giggles. <laughs> and it always happens when I'm at work, so we, we've got an hour and a half, so fingers crossed. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny to see, like, the different, uh, obvious aptitude levels of some of these GMs because now I'm kind of seeing the NHL, like, I'd love to write, like, a – like an RP, like what if the NHL was like World of Warcraft for like Shirelli is Shirelli is the first like boss that you run into like, oh, uh, all right, it's time to make your first trade and your trade partner is the Edmonton Oilers. And it's like you have to like out, you have to like outsmart him, but he's like a low level boss. So it's like easy to be like, oh, yeah, I'll just show you some, some picks and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a high scoring winger. And then you get like you know, a dracidal in return. And, but then, like, you move up the next level, and then it's McPhee, and then you're like, oh, I, I've i played this boss before. It's just a little bit different. <laughs> and then you start to move up, and you're like, oh, now you have to make a trade with, you know, Ken Holland or uh, Dave Poyle. You know, it's like, oh, now ooh, now you can actually think about what's the what the ramifications <laughs> are. You know, there's – it's I, I don't know. I, I, I would love to see a uh, a Thunderdome of GMs. Like why isn't why can't we expand the All Star Game festivities to include the front office and certain things? Right. I've like, always <laughs> I've always said uh, GM Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it's funny that everyone's like, oh, you know, there, you know, there's so many bad GMs. Like I don't think there there are decent GMs. I don't think there's any truly good GM in the NHL. Everyone has their trades where you just go, what are you thinking? Like Jim Benning <laughs> won a trade last year for God's sakes. Which makes Pierre Dorian probably one of the worst GMs too. So it's like, it's like, oh, our GM's good. It's like, well, your GM also did this, this, and this. Everyone talks about Lou and Kyle Dubas in Toronto, and you signed Matt Martin, and you continue to re-sign Roman Polak. <laughs> you know, yeah. the goodwill only goes so far. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, Bergevin did all these bad things, but it's like, yeah, he also re-signed Charles Houdon for two years at league minimum, and he's an NHL regular. He got David Schlemko for a throwaway pick, and you know, he got Drew. And you have to give up to you have to give up a lot to get a decent player in return. That's the hard part. So, yeah, I, I was thinking for the uh, for, for the GM video game, 
you know, it's like like somebody walks in, it's like, honey, what are you doing? Why aren't you Why aren't you using your bad contracts? Why do you Why do you just keep putting them in a pile? It's like, oh, John Chica levels coming up. <laughs> like, you never know. It's Someone... like I got six. I got six long term injury reserve players. It's fantastic. Someone's gotta um, reach the floor. <laughs> I smell an expansion draft. <laughs> All right, so unfortunately, yeah, I mean, we've been talking for a half hour. Like, it always goes a lot faster, um, which is a good sign. You know, like they say, uh, you know, something about time and fun and flying and stuff. So Some I just heard Nick Einstein again, said that, so he yeah, <laughs> him wrong, right? Or, right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, Scott, thanks a lot for coming. Uh, like I said before, you can find Scott. He writes for Habs Eyes on the Prize, so you can find him on there. That's If you didn't know, that is the SB Nation site for the Canadians. And also on Twitter, um, at Scott Matla, not Malta, Matla, <laughs> M-A-T-L-A. Um, so, yeah, so, Scott, thanks a lot for coming. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, we're back for our last segment for today. So last week we or last time we had a segment called cross checks that people people seem to like. So we wanted to mix it up a little bit. So 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 basically here's what happened. As we all know, aliens are real and they have they have made first contact with us. Now maybe maybe you missed out on this, but if you didn't know, we've been sending out signals for for years. We've been sending out classical music and classic television, etc. and you know, so that if we ever make contact with an alien race, that they will have some semblance of knowing about us, uh, possibly so they can make jokes about us. I'm not really sure. But the funny thing is that the reason that they came to Earth is because some of the things that we sent out were, were signals about hockey. We sent out some, some classic hockey games. And so these aliens developed a taste for hockey. But the thing is, because of the distance away they are and how light works and how sound works. You know, they're so far away that, that the, the the signals that we've been sending out, they, they haven't gotten the latest ones. All they've gotten is the old classic stuff. So they contacted us. Actually, they, they kidnapped us. And we are recording this live right now from inside the, the belly of an alien ship. And... They have uh, told us that if we want to leave this place alive, that we have to tell them about the current best NHL hockey players. And so what we decided to do is that we are going to do one better because we really value our lives. And maybe if we give them this, then they will um, they will let us go. So we are going to go through the the entire NHL cross check style really quickly, and we are going to tell the aliens the number one, the best player in that franchise's history. Now, hold on, Jay. I, uh, okay, shh, okay. They're not looking right now. Yeah, they're not, so, so let's get, come on. Like, we, we, have okay. to fi- we have to finalize this list, otherwise Jay, we're dead. Jay, 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 you're too loud. They're going to hear you. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, okay, I got a really good idea. All right, remember in Independence Day? Remember Jeff Goldblum? How he had, like, the little virus in the computer thing? Okay. Right, so some of these, we need to give them the wrong answers. Oh, okay. All right, so All right. you're going to bear the wrong right. answer. Okay. Oh, okay. sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got it. I got oh, it. hey, hey, hey. Hey. Yep. Hey, guys. You're looking pretty good. All <laughs> right. Um, all right. So, so you ready? Are you ready for our list? Yeah, don't worry. It's only going to take a couple minutes. We're going to go real quick. All right. Yeah. Don't don't point that thing at me. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it does not don't look good. Don't point it at my friend, Pete, please. 
we're we're all right. We are cooperating the best we can. All right, here we go. We're gonna go in alphabetical orders. Do you guys know what alphabetical orders is? It's from from A to well, for you, it's from Glorp to Zop. Okay, so just 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 follow along. Okay, so okay. Uh, Pete, the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, T. Mussolini. Uh, Jay, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, uh, Shane Doan. Uh, Pete, the Boston Bruins. Uh, Dougie Hamilton. Jay, uh, Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Tim Connolly, obviously. Uh, Calgary Flames. Uh, Lenny McDonald. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Andre Nestrashill. The, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Stan Makita. Uh, Colorado Avalanche. Tame Solani. <laughs> Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, John Tortorella. Dallas Stars. Uh, Mike Ribeiro, Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Tomasz Nosek, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, definitely Ryan Smith, uh, Florida Panthers. That's tough. Um, Erica Branson, uh, Los Angeles Kings. Larry Murphy. Okay, uh, Minnesota Wild. Uh, it's a true question. It's, it's Zach Parisi and uh, Ryan Suter. Montreal Canadiens. Alexander Radulov, the Nashville Predators. <laughs> David Legwand. Uh, New Jersey Devils. Yarmir Yager. The New York Islanders. Mike Bossy. All right, New York Rangers. Wayne Gretzky, the Ottawa Senators. Alexi Yashin, Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Jakob Voracek, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Sidney Crosby, San Jose Sharks. Uh, Patrick Marlowe, St. Louis Blues. Curtis Joseph, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Martin St. Louis, Toronto Maple Leafs. Matt Martin, Vancouver Canucks. Pavel Bure, obviously. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Vadim Shipachev, Washington Capitals. Uh, let's go with Olaf Kolzig, and now the Winnipeg Jets. Evander Kane. That's right, folks. So, Mr. Aliens, uh, we, that, upon penalty of disintegration, those are the greatest players in the history of those teams. You guys are going to have a lot of fun looking them up. Um, and, and if you have any questions, be sure to ask someone else. Cause, like, exactly. And, and just, just to be on the safe side, um, just wait until we're – pretty far away before doing some research. Right, yeah, because because of all the knowledge that we have about hockey, it kind of messes with your entertainment instruments and stuff. So, we don't want we don't want our we don't want our radiation to interrupt with your feed. So, you know, exactly. so 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 we're good. Yeah. Okay, we're good. Yeah. I guess we're good to really. Pete, let's uh see that that pot over there. Let's take that one. Okay. And that, folks, was our harrowing experience in space. I just want to let you know that they do have some slam and diet coke up in the stars. Pretty surprised oh, yeah. by that. So the aliens are really onto something here. So, you know, we stayed them off for a little bit. They're going to be a little busy looking up those players, but you know, it's it's for your benefit because we want you to be able to listen to more episodes of for sure and to be able to continue to watch the sport of hockey. So it was a pretty thrilling, uh, pretty thrilling episode we had here, Pete. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I was on the I was on the uh, the edge of my seat. Well, I mean, I mean it, it, it's not just because I spilled uh, spilled Diet Coke on the rest of my seat and I needed to sit on the edge. I think I would have been on the edge of my seat anyway. Yep. So for all the free advertising we're giving to Diet Coke, we just want to say that it's been an awesome, awesome episode once again. And thank you for listening. Uh, we also encourage you to talk at us, tweet at us. Please send us messages. Tell us about your cats and dogs and your favorite players. Uh, you can follow us for... Uh, on the Twitters at at 200 foot pod. That's two zero zero FTPOD. You can follow Pete at P Flynn hockey and uh, you can follow myself at the roar 24. So 
this is a very special uh, week because we did get abducted by aliens, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. Pete, I, 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 I kind of had to come up with my own Emmerich verb for this week because I don't think he's ever ever said this one. But because we went to space, we need we need to do we need to do something outside of the box. Okay. All right. So you you know it's it's very very simple. It's a very uh, common a phrase that that Emmerich uses. It's usually blasted or 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 tangled or threaded through. But this week we really zapped this one. He zaps ah. that one across the ice. He zaps stars, <laughs> aliens, space, space <laughs> aliens. They have lasers. Next. For sure. 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 For sure.